be advised. The following podcast in part relates to depression and suicide. Contents may be a trigger for some. Those that need to talk to someone, there is a 24-7 lifeline on 13 11 14. That number is 13 11 14. Or seeking resources, information, beyondblue.org.au or blackdoginstitute.org.au. This is Radio Notes with John Murch. Where to start? With a personal anecdote? That's what radio would do here. Yet sharing yarns about those in my life that have died by suicide in detail would not be right. Many have. One 15 years ago who am over lunch stayed that focus on the positives to that evening in close quarter take their life and nothing at the time I could do to stop them. But still, end of January every year, get massive anxiety on that question of what could I have earlier that day as they smiled warmly across as we lay in the grass as the sun shone down. I'm not seeking sympathy or empathy, rather sharing the linger of what-ifs and how one's actions, in this case, influence the ongoing experience of others. Every passing of life is as individual as the person that lived it and those close equally, if not more so. Suicide. Balance of questions to answer have a heavy and often unfair weight to unanswered. Ahead in the chat about to share, there may not be any answers. Spoiler though, two I take from listening back to this chat are have a conversation, be open to always say the truth with those you care. I'm sharing as the parents you will hear wish to present a very important message, but also provides insight into the gentleman who defined my career path choices and whose measured, caring words hit the mark when most needed. I'm not alone. They were magnetic with their warmth, guidance, and so much more to many throughout the media and for fans who got to hear their work, and of course, their family. This chat was recorded a few years back during April, a month that started as a gimmick on a radio show that was turned into an awareness campaign and fundraiser, raising tens of thousands for Beyond Blue and other organisations attempting to help reduce the numbers that die each year. I'm hyper-aware that as Record speak to you to tape, it's ten years to the hour that those spoken about were at their work's end-of-year lunch where many recall the hugs and memories and their breakfast radio co-host openly offered them to lunch on Christmas Day. Richard Marslin did not make Christmas Day. Day after his last radio show for 2008, he was found dead. Here would be the place to cite all his great work, but there is so much gold and I'm sure to miss some very important nugget or mountain of achievement. In the show notes, I'll share some links to examples of his work and attempt to cover more there that would normally go here. Deeply aware conversations about suicide can be triggering. You may wish not to listen on. There are, as mentioned at the top, resources at Beyond Blue and Black Dog Institute, and if you need to talk to someone about your feelings... There is Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's a telephone number of 13 11 14, a 24-hour, seven-day service. To be clear, I'm sharing this chat to help. For those that want to hear about one of the finest creative and caring humans from those that knew him from day dot, that hearing about Richard's life may provide comfort out of the dark of questions that will never be answered. This is not my best interview, considered not sharing, though when did a few years back, it seemed to help. So let's roll the tape. Adelaide's very own Richard Marslin. He started off in community radio at 5PBA and soon made his way to SAFM with the likes of Greg Fleet, Amanda Blair, Marty Shieldgold and many others. He is well remembered and respected as a broadcaster as a fun guy, a comedian, a writer for such people as Rove McManus and Sean McAuliffe. Who was Richard for the family that were left behind when he passed away of depression on the 6th of December 2008? 
I took a trip down to the family home where Richard was brought up to speak with his parents, Alison and Peter Marsland. I was honoured to be in their home, which very much has the memory of Richard alive and well within its walls. I'm now going to bring you that conversation had between us. We're here in the Marsland home, a home since the early 90s, to speak about the life and the times of a gentleman who should well still be with us, Richard Marsland. Welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you. Thank you. Who was Richard Marsland to you? To us? Well, he was awesome. He's our son, obviously. He's our son. Yeah, he was... To me personally, apart from his dad, he was the love of my life. I'm going to get teary, I'm sorry. Richard was a... A gentleman. That's right. Who inspired a number of people to continue in their ventures. Mm. Let's look at the younger years, if we, we will, as a child, mm. as a youngster, mm. as a tacker. Yeah, gorgeous tacker. He used to love getting up at five o'clock in the morning and clearing our dressing, my dressing table with all the crystal, with all the jewellery in it and everything. It was a, it was a yeah, he was just <clears throat> one of those kids. But he used to love, like... Cartoons, Scooby Doo, and. Um... So he put them on pause. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd draw Scooby Doo yeah. from the pause. That's right, yeah. He that's, loved it that's when. That's how he started. Uh, the VCR came, like the video recorder, and we, we got one, didn't we? And we, we, we got the remote with the cord. He was disgusted at that. And he would watch his Saturday morning shows because, you know. Now, he was disgusted that you needed the cord? No, yeah. that we got one with a cord. Oh. And I told him that was so that every time we passed over. I didn't trust remotes. That we was could what it was. trip over it, but his father <laughs> didn't trust, you know, didn't trust a remote that wasn't connected to something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is. Magic. Right, that was a bit scary. So, but anyway, he used to love that. And he would, Saturday mornings, he would get up really early and, uh, yeah, he would watch all the cartoons. He really loved cartoons, you know. Hannah Barbera, every, you know, he just loved television. He just wasn't, he was just mm. um, a TV addict, if you like. He had to actually unplug it, turn it off and kick him. You were saying, though, he was pausing the images. He would pause the image and then draw. He used to love drawing. I've been lucky enough to actually see some of the images. Mm. And they don't look like kids' work. They look no. quite detailed. Yeah. Well, that's right. Well, those were... They're not from any television show, as no. you've seen. They're, they're his own work. Because these are from his mind. Yes, that's right. But he, he used to... He was quite talented. I, um, our daughter did dance, and so I would, he would sit with me while she would do dance in, in, North, in uh, North Terrace, and he would, I would just... Endless amounts of sketch pads and pencils and pens and whatever he wanted. And he would just draw all the way in, the three hours she'd be at dance and then all the way home, if it was light. He was really interested in cartooning. I think we always thought that he would probably end up a cartoonist of some sort, you know, really. What did you imagine in those younger years would be that career? You're saying that it might be something as an illustrator? Hmm. I thought he would. I, I thought he'd be a... Because he used to love writing stories too. He had a very imaginat- imaginative brain, you know. He... he just, he would come up with weird stories, wouldn't he, really? Weird, mm, well, he, um, very... He, right from the, when he was a little kid, he always said he wanted to be a clown when he grew up. Yeah, that's right. Basically, At age four, that was, that was what he wanted to have. Yeah, wanted to be a clown. Be a clown. And um, as he got older, he wanted to be in, in film, you know? He wanted to be an actor. Mm. Mm. Um, he wanted to be a star of some sort. Yeah, yeah. That's what he... He got a few bit parts in, um, well, you know, advert, like in a, the wine advert that he went into. Mm. And um, He was also in that yeah. one where he's at the SA Museum yelling out as a kid. Uh, what that was that? Was, um, second Childhood. Right. Yeah, Second Childhood, I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah, he, something he about male out. nurses are okay. Yeah, something like <laughs> that. He missed out on the lead role of that and he was so disappointed. But he did uh, some other commercials for the SA Lotteries. and He was riding agency. the skateboard in that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he loved, and he just loved, you know, the whole experience of the filmmaking, the whole lot. I mean, yeah. we had um, a Super 8 camera, and we were never allowed to get rid of that. Richard loved making movies. You know, he, he just made lots of... We had the Standard 8, then we had the Super 8, didn't we? Yeah. And then we had the... Uh, the newer one, whatever. Well, his called. little sister was his favourite actress. Yeah, well, yeah. as, as a, when she was born, then he started making movies and things with her. So yeah. you know, as a 
yeah. action. Yes. And so Bonnie would do it, and that's not right, Bonnie. You have to do it all over again, right? So Bonnie, like she's only about four years old. Mm, yeah, five, three, maybe. two or three. Yeah. <laughs> was there a television on at the time, or was this without television that this creativity? You mentioned the VCR, but was television part? Oh, television was part of Richard's life from the moment he was born. He just loved it, you know. He just, he loved telling. Well, he'd go to sleep on disconnect it, you know, well he didn't have a telly in his room, but you know, it was sleep like... Sleep in the lounge though. Yeah, but when he was older, he would fall asleep, mm. yeah. He just he just loved his video collection, his, the producers, the writers, he watched the whole movie, dissect the whole movie, and the credits were the best part. Yes. He wanted to be a producer and, and director and all that, because I remember once there was a one film on, I can't remember which one it was, but he got me to watch this and it went for... I don't know, five, ten minutes or whatever it was. Oh, that was that one scene. One scene, Dad. Look at this, Dad. Dad, can you see that? There's no break. See that? It's like the Brenda Moore like lab. The whole, the whole thing was one, uh, you know, one scene without one shot. a break. One shot. Yeah. And yeah. he was amazed how long it went for, and you know, and he, you know, he'd always everything that happened. To him, it's, in, it must be famous for what it is, but I can't remember. Right. But what you're saying, Peter, is he'd actually break that down as a youngster, like not even a. Teenager, even? Well, I don't know. Was... Early teens, maybe? No, he would have been a teenager then. Yeah, right. Yeah, I reckon he might have But been. breaking it down from what it actually was. He, that, that was, to him, was the amazing part. Like, he he loved the way films were made. Mm. That's that's what he... You know, he made a, a couple of little films himself, trying to get into, what was it, NIDA or something like that? Yeah, well, he, he did. He tried to get into NIDA a couple of times, and uh, he did get accepted <clears> for the um, Adelaide one here, but... Yeah, it was right at the same time that he was sort of the uni placings were coming out, so he didn't take it. But he went um, for journalism, yeah. Um, not NIDA, uh, the VCA. Right. Yeah. 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 Before oh, we right. head on to university, I still want to stay in these younger yeah, years. Yeah. Where Richard was getting that inspiration further on for mediums like radio and television, of mm. course. Mm. I, I I don't think he got outside influences other than the TV. Like he had that that um, that camera, right? And so my my best mate Murray came out to our place for you know a visit with his family, and so Richard had the camera right, and they made a film of Marzi's backyard right. Marzi's farm. They had one of the kids in a tree making it. He was a monkey or a koala yeah, or something. Richard there. Yeah, Richard up there. That's right. And then you know they'd be taking photos of it of the cows and and chickens' heads. You know. Cause <laughs> I've killed a few chickens. Very funny. So, so they had the chicken chicken heads stuck in the ground, and you know, look like they, they can grow anything here. <laughs> <laughs> he loved, but you know, but on the same token, that wasn't just. Like, he, he used to love playing cricket. He was a pretty good cricketer too. Mm. He was a good batsman, and he was an excellent bowler because he was quite tall and lanky, mm. and he could put that ball down really fast. And he, him and I would play. Just about every day, I reckon, we played cricket every afternoon. Cricket, Dad? Want to play cricket, Dad? And uh, that's the way it was, wasn't it? That's right. And we'd be out the well, the back of our, you know, the ball would hit the laundry wall. and Window more If you, if you missed it. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was how we spent our afternoon. But he loved, like he would, I remember once he made doggy ham. So he would make out he was one of the poodles. And he would sort of crawl around on the ground with the camera, wasn't it? Mm. Remember that? Mm. And make out he was like... A dog, you know, mm-hmm. see what the dogs were doing, following them around or whatever. Yeah, he had interesting ways of doing things, you know. Like he, he was interested already at that. That was pretty young then, wasn't yes, it? Well, that was probably right. mm-hmm. what twelve, no, maybe. Yeah, yeah whatever, 19, ten, maybe. Yeah. But you know, he was yeah, he was already into that sort of making making his own creations, really, mm-hmm. uh, and ideas too. You know, mm-hmm. that's quite a good idea for a little kid. So he loved cartoon books and Asterix. Like oh, every, you had to buy every copy. You know, you had to every time. Like for Richard, if we owned a news agency, he would have been in seventh heaven. And um, he just loved it. You know, he loved spending time in there, and he'd buy those comics <clears> and he would read them, and um, just loved loved the animation side of it as well, didn't he? Well, when he was like in uh, grade five, six, whatever, when he had Mr. Kretschmer, I think. Uh, they would give him, a, you know, how they give kids a project, and they give them a month to do it, three weeks or whatever. Richard wouldn't do anything. Uh, he wouldn't do anything, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> last night, the last evening, right? Yeah. 
he would create this masterpiece all in comedy, jokes, with, uh, with drawings, drawings and everything else. Take it to school. <laughs> and he, I walked in and, one morning and, and his, said, his teacher was just like, yeah. he would give a yeah. 10 out of 10, fantastic work, this sort of thing, you know. And like, Alison would go down there and say, Mr. Kretschmer, don't give him full marks for this. He didn't spend much time on yeah, this. He only started it last only, night. He finished it this night. morning, yeah. you know. And the average kid, you know, which would have included me when I was a kid, would spend half the time, you know, well, as much time as they could doing, you know, nowhere near the same creativity, really. He would just crack jokes throughout it as well, you know. Eureka, I found it, and there'd be explosions going off and some scientist with his hair, you know, straight out like yeah. like Einstein. And, yeah, it was just very good with his art and, and creativity. And that's that's one of the things, I, you know... Mm. Yes. You obviously are biased to this question. What was his sense of family and what family meant very for him? Very important to him. We were, we were a nuisance often, but were very important <clears> to him. <throat> I mean, you know, his older sister, he argued with constantly. I think he, he didn't actually argue with her. He annoyed her. She would lock him outside. Sibling rivalry, yeah. And all that sort yeah. of stuff. Nice and fresh, yeah. That, that's right. <laughs> but um, he <laughs> idolised her and he was in awe of her. You know, uh, she's a very capable woman. And when Bonnie was was born, you know, that was, he was 13, and mm. oh my gosh, you know, she was his little protege, if you like, he tried to teach her, and he did actually, he's, he's, she's very much like him, he's got the same wit and, and stuff, he, he taught her to appreciate everything about life, you know, which was really good. Where did his wit come from? I'd say probably me, I've got a bit of a, Peter, Peter has too, but... Yeah, we'd bounce off, but Richard and I would bounce off each other a fair bit. But, yeah, but and he adored his dad. I mean, you know, he just, I don't know whether you've read what he wrote about him, but, and, you know, I know he adored me. Behind us yeah. are, are two articles that he wrote mm. for the uh, uh, the Sunday Mail, I would assume. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. The stark thing is, one is clearly to you, Alison, one is mm. clearly to you, Peter. Yeah, yeah. There's no one these days in the press that would do that. No. One was Mother's Day and one was one Father's, was Father's Day. Day. Yeah. And so he saw those days and he, he wrote. And he, and he did it. He, he kind of mucked up with the Mother's Day one, though, because he wrote it and he posted it and then he realised it wasn't Mother's Day, it wasn't the first Sunday in May, it was the second Sunday in May. And he's like, I'm reading this going, oh, no, he said, Mum, it's supposed to be for next week. Because <laughs> he had it on the bottom. So when you wake up today, wish your mother happy Mother's Day, it's like... So next Sunday, I had to change it a bit. Hey, at least you remembered. You did. I was. Uh, I asked him. I said, "My well, God, that's that's it's an amazing tribute. It's just you know you feel so humbled when you read it." His line was, "When you are in that position that you can actually do that, it's mm-hmm. pretty awesome." So we're going to talk in a moment about his career and his interaction with the public, but we're still sort of in the teenage mm, years at mm, the moment. Mm. Much of a sporting kid, Peter. You mentioned the cricket. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he... Yeah, he was a, a good cricketer. He was in the... Like, he was in the cricket team there for a while, wasn't he? With CBC. He oh, yeah, CBC, CBC, yeah. Like Christian yeah. Brothers College. Yeah, in, and in their basketball team. So he was in the cricket team with his class, you know, at his class at his pay Saturday mornings, I think it was. Mm. And, mm. and the same with the uh, basketball. At different years, I think that was, wasn't it? I think he played different years. Yeah. A good runner, a real good runner, really. I don't he know. wasn't very physical. Richard, yeah, that's right, he, he, he did it. He had to look, motivate look, he, he He did running because I think it made me happy, really, you know, because I, I, was, I was a runner, a Harrier athlete sort of thing, you know. So we'd run in a few races and, well, we used to run together and then I said, Richard, don't, don't mind if I... Don't if I come in before you this time, because I'm going to try try to go as well as I can. You know, he said, "Yeah, no worries, Dad." And I'm sure he thought that you know, <laughs> Dad, Dad's dreaming. You know, because I always, you know, when we used to go training, I'd always let him beat me, and and maybe that was good or maybe it was bad. I don't know. You know, you you, you wonder sometimes when you look back and think, was that bad training? Letting him win all the time, you know. But anyway, because this day I ran my normal race and come in, you know, 10 minutes before him or some or five minutes or whatever, and I ran back to meet him and, and he wasn't that happy and I don't think he raced anymore after mm, that. Mm. Couldn't so, believe you beat him. So <laughs> he just didn't bother anymore after that. He thought, well, that's just a waste of time. Dad, I'm never going to You took that. the confidence out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, I didn't really mean to do that, but um, 
Well, he did tell him before it happened that you it was know, a race, and yeah, yeah, he wasn't very competitive. He's in. in That's that, very telling enough. He wasn't yeah, very competitive yeah. when this happens. Yeah. Okay, that happened. That's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's. I, th- I think maybe he was super competitive. Maybe too, too and competitive. And he didn't like to. He had to win. Yeah. Right. Okay. Richard Rephrase always liked that. to be a winner. He didn't like to com- to compete in anything much. Other that he than, couldn't did win. He? No. no. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. I think he's been classed as such a gentleman. Where did his morals, his standing, his his view on the world come oh, from? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And his grandmother. You right. Know. Um, he's very fond of his paternal grandmother, Eve. She is, you know, the nickname was Face Eight. She used to call him Face Eight. Well, you know, yeah. It was just yeah. just family, I guess. Just you know, family. because we, mm. like, I, well, I was, I was in the police, and you know, the, we just always instilled upon him to do the right thing, be honest, and you know. He's got a lovely nature. And I, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't think you can make that. That's no. something that's just developed over the years when you're born. You know, when you. I have to. Say, it might be the up. genes, you know, because. All of our children, and I'm not, you know, but they, people tell me how lovely they are. And when I listen to them talking to other people, you know, as a parent, you, you hear that and, and you think, gee, they are nice people. You know, they are nice. You know, they're very, and so I think. Well, Richard was very polite Richard, and decent. He, he didn't, he used to love doing caricatures, as you saw on the wall. Yeah. There. He had a couple of caricatures of politicians and. And he did. He, he would do caricatures of me with my pointy nose and people skiing off yeah. it and all those sorts of things. Yeah. But he would. He hated doing caricatures of women mm. because he didn't want to do something that, that they would. They might be offended by. You know. Yeah. So he didn't like to offend women at all. He did one of his grandmother <laughs> once and uh, with a stick in her hair, and she's going, "Hey, face me," you know. And she thought that was gorgeous, but yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't like to offend people. So he's yeah. You mentioned about character shoes just there, and particularly maybe not so much of women. So it brings the question, would he have done one of Julia Gillard because his political oh, character He would have loved it. Yeah, he would have loved to. I think he just didn't like to have any women close yeah. to him. Did he do Pauline <laughs> Hanson? I think he might have. enough to hit her. I think he might have done Pauline Hanson somewhere. Yeah, what, what was his fascination with politics from your view? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Peter and I are probably a bit too vocal when it comes to politics at times, and... Uh, and so we used to have, Richard had his own views, and, uh, and we used to have a, the odd bar about that one, didn't we, you know, about different politics. And hmm. Four o'clock in the afternoon when Peter would come home from work or on, on day shift or, or night shift, and the kids would come home, all it would be cups of tea, and I would bake in those days, and that was, this was the hub. This We're was the sitting hub. at the table right now. We oh. always sit at the table. We... That's what I was saying about where the morals and the views are coming yeah, from. It's always about you the guys table. were a family yep. that were very much the old day thing of yep. around the table, yep. let's nut these things yep. out. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The yeah, only time we had dinner in front of the telly was when Peter was on afternoon shift yep. and the kids and I would have something, you know, that we couldn't have when Dad was home, like spaghetti on toast or you know, boiled eggs and His sausages. eyes are gone. You did what? And, or no, no, sometimes nah, the kids I, 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 know, I knew what they did. They, they always used to love it and when I wasn't there because Alison wouldn't have to cook. Uh, we don't have to do the a, big, you know, you know. A proper meal or so. Cause you're, and it's not that I insisted. It was just that that was what Alison liked to do with have yeah. a proper meal with the whole family there. Yeah, but when Dad's not home, when Dad's away, you know, yeah. Mum and the kids play. So we play games and stuff. The teas and the, the meals around the table. Cups of tea. Yeah. Was it a case of no topic was out of bounds? No, absolutely not. No. That's what I was thinking. No. <clears throat> everything was managed. discussed, yes. Everything was discussed here. Yeah. And, of course, Peter's, Peter's very... The kids used to love it because Peter would get very... He's very strong-willed in his ideas and, you know, it's like, the, this is how it's supposed to be. And, of course, as they got older, mm. they had their own views, so that used to create a lot of activity more around the younger, table. more liberal... Sort of views, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah. Perhaps you know, I'm a bit old school. That's police right. force, as you said. Yeah, yeah, police force. You get to be, you know, group people a bit in your own mind. You know, even though you, you shouldn't. Everyone's an individual. I know that, and, and I, I wouldn't say I was a, a bigot or anything like that. But I treat people as I see them. But, mm. but um, you know, the way you lots of uh, healthy, healthy. Mm. Um, yeah, always, always, always chats around the table and stuff like that. That's why. We still look the same now, and that's why he's there. 
still joins in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. still, still the same. When the kids, when everybody's home with the grandkids, and that's why it was such a big table, but it doesn't need to be so big now, unfortunately. But this is where it all happens over a duck dinner. Yeah, well, we have Richard's photo there, like yes, on the, on yeah. the yeah. That's not because well, I was coming today. That, no, no, that, that lives that's there. always. You there, lift yeah. it up, you yeah. see the dust under yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and we light the candles. Or yeah, and the candles. You know, special occasions or family gatherings or something. Whenever like that. we're all together, the candle gets lit, or whenever Peter and I, you know, sometimes we'll yeah, come home and we'll just load. Yeah, load yeah it. sometimes we'll just do it. Just yeah, to be we just it's we, it's mm. it, the the oh yeah. I was when when he first died. I was like in Melbourne. We went over to 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 make sure it was him. And um, I rang one and said, we need to light a candle. <laughs> we need to light a candle. And so we've had a candle there ever since. And the candle burned every day and night for the first month. Um, We're going to head into his radio career because for me, mm. that's so fascinating and yeah. how he got through there. Behind that photo mm. is the Fugitive Award. I yeah. think it says 2001 on that yeah. award it's as well. It's the Max Award, for, for, which is the say, Australian radio. No, well... Radio award. It's pretty big. Yeah, it's massive. No one sees them. No. Unless you get one. No. And you have one in your lounge room. That's right. I have one sitting right next to me. Yeah. So when did radio become something in Richard's sight? Um, Radio probably wasn't something that he set out to do. He was more interested in television and acting and drawing and producing and making films. And then Ben, he met Ben Latimer at high school. And Ben was into, Ben the boy's Latimer, he was into radio and he was doing community radio at PBFM. So he got Richard involved and, and Richard went along and, and they used to do a, a show together. I used to think they were like um, Baz and Pilko and they had to, you know, because Richard was funny when Ben's Mr Crooner with his voice, you know, and Richard was... Sunday morning, future, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Sunday morning show. Five o'clock, six o'clock And then or he did other week. things, yeah. So from there he learnt to panel because... PBFM back then were very um, uh, forward in in their technology and uh, more so than than any of our FM stations in Adelaide at the time because Richard learnt those skills there. So when he went off to SFM, he was able. He was the only one that knew how to panel when they went computerised or something. I'm yeah. not sure. Cart to decart, That's those it. kind That's of things. Whatever. Yes. Although he was a master of the uh, cartridge. Yes. What did you hear from him that he was getting from radio when he was doing it on a Sunday? Being able to be creative, being mm. able to be... He's a program, yeah. Yes. And, and he loved the technology. Like, I think he just loved the... I don't know, he loved the panelling. He loved the technology of it, didn't he? He loved the technology. He loved the creativity of it. Yeah. Like, it was just... He could have his own program, he could, you know? and, and, it, and he said to me, it's faceless. They don't know what I look like. <laughs> Was that an issue? Um, he's, he mentioned one time when I asked him to MC his sister's confirmation. He said, oh, that's why I'm in radio, so I don't have to, people don't have to see me." But anyway, he did it anyway. He was actually it's another of his amazing talents. Was he was a really good MC at anything. Yeah. When was it that he was doing the DJ and stuff in in that little street off? North Terrace, oh, which is called Blythe Street, the Brisenium. Yeah. So I used to dance at the Gothic nightclub, yeah, yeah. and I still think it was the first time I ever met him when he was DJing in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what the nightclub was. He just told me that they are closing up, Dad, and when when I close up, you got, I'll ring you, and you've got to be in here, right? Because I don't know when they're going to close and when they're not going to close. He loved, so he you, loved music. And you yeah. say, they're closing, Dad. And I've got, got to leave soon, you know. I said, right, oh, no worries. So, I, I mean, we're, you know, at three quarters of an hour away from Adelaide. And so I jump in the car and in I'd go, one through three o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. Mobile phones weren't around back then. No, that's right. And, Actually. Uh, well, were they? Yeah, no, they were. were. We they? bought him one. He was, they were pretty chunky. Well, they were like, they a, they were like, they were like a house brick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'd go into this little street and I'd, there's Richard. With a with a big like a, a a big suitcase full of CDs, yeah, and a and his equipment, yeah, and he's standing in this little street, you know. I'm thinking, my God, you know, you're you're a sitting duck he here. Wasn't for, a for, fighter, you was know. Well, they would have you know, it's a dangerous place. It can be, you know. So we did look after him. Okay, so it was him. Okay, cool. Because there was this DJ bloke who we'd go and dance with, and we would go, oh. 
well, he's waiting for someone. And then yeah. we'd go before the person rocked up. So that was yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, right. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he loved doing that yeah, as well. Yeah, well, that was probably after. Because he loved music. Was, that, was he there at SAFM at that stage, though? Yeah, he would have been. He would have been, he would have been doing Black Thunder or... Um, how old was he then? I can't It's a bit hard to sort of get the times, but... But he was, he would have been doing like behind the scenes stuff, panelling. You know, he was there panelling, yeah, writing, yeah, other people, writing other remember, people's jokes. Remember the mid <laughs> Yes, he used write for Craig yeah, Bruce. Write for people and, um, and that sort of thing. So I think that's what before got the he start. Actually got they noticed that he air. was writing for them mm. and doing things, and it was like. And that writing gets us back to the point we've already mentioned, and it is that creative that was happening. Yeah. Mm. If the last minute in mm. high school, yeah, well, that the ability to school. do something <laughs> in primary school, that even. was primary Sorry. school. But to do it the yeah. night beforehand, yeah. 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 knowing that there was a deadline. In terms of writing, people remember him also writing for some of the bigger names. From your point of view, what was his feeling about interacting with some of these bigger names, like the Roves and the Shaw and McCarlos like of the it. world? Yeah, it was just like working for a mate, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I think he was in awe originally. It was like. <gasps> But, um, and, you know, he was, yes, missing if you like, but he was, he did his best work. And mm. then it was like working. You yeah. know, he got, that they loved him, and so he just, yeah, got the rapport. And it was amazing, actually. When you, was, uh, was we don't sort of think too much about that, I suppose, that he wrote for, you know, Rove and Michaela, Sean McAuliffe mm. and other... The Glass House, Will Anderson. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, getting respected by the likes of Hamish and Andy, mm. who are perceived mm. as the golden yeah. children of mm. some radio sectors. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, see, well, Hamish and Andy said that uh, they taught him a few tricks in radio, different sound effects that they could use and stuff. So, What was the family experience of radio? I mentioned TV before, but was radio around at the same time? We did have a radio, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he used to, he used, but Richard used to listen to Bob Francis talk back. He used oh, yeah. to, I don't know why he yeah. loved that. When well, he, he was loved just a, everything, didn't was he? That, what was he, about 12 years old or something? Or, yeah. And he rang him up a few times, didn't he? He did, he did. Maybe a bit younger even. And, I, and I, Peter never liked Not ironically, he'd actually ring genuinely. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. He'd actually and, ring And 5AA on Christmas morning, he always used to ring up and... Tell whoever it was what he got for Christmas, wasn't it? He was fascinated. He'd go down and listen to the radio about them. Like, yeah, maybe we, we didn't sort of. I mean, we didn't tweak. have the radio on all the time. If, if yeah. anything, we had TV on all the time. Mm. Our place was always the TV on. In fact, mm. we got a we got a, uh, a sister-in-law who who just remembers our place as one that where there was just absolute bedlam noise. Uh, the TV's always on. Um, well, there's no point turning it on. He so I don't know whether that's things. part of our, you know, who we are, but he probably picked up a lot of stuff without, us even, in your life. without, without us even knowing about it, you know. Mm. The big really. move was when he had to move to Melbourne. Mm. Talk that us, was fun. Yeah, talk us through what happened there. I think Richard had outgrown, or he'd done all that he could here. Right, well, he had yeah. been on TV here he'd, too. He'd done that, and he'd... And he really wanted to try his hand at comedy and comedy writing, stand-up comedy as well. Mm. Um, he did do that while he was here. When he was living, he went over to Melbourne. And Peter was mentioning that he went and saw The Late Show in Melbourne, obviously, as well. Oh, he did during school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, him and Ben, they went over on the bus. Just, oh, that was a magic weekend. I didn't shut up about that for a month. They just they? jumped on a... They just they jumped on, on a bus, a bus yeah. and sat next to a bloke that had just been released from prison, I think. No, that was when he went and did his stand-up. <laughs> that was when he went and did his first stand-up. <laughs> that was not then. Well, he went with, yeah, he, he went did, with Ben's he? dad. Yeah, the, he did. When pretty... he went to do his first stand-up, he wouldn't let us take him. He, <laughs> he organised it on his own and we dropped him at the bus stop and I was like, oh, you know, he's going to be on a bus. What if he gets to, goes to the toilet at Border Town and he doesn't get on the bus and they go without him and all this sort of stuff. This is the first trip to his first, first comedy trip gig. for his first comedy And he was sat gig. next to a... Guy that had just got out of jail and <laughs> honestly, Richard, because I, I... You know, when I rang, were you all right? Yeah, Mum, he's an interesting bloke. I've been writing it all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And he... See, Richard drove around. He had a dictaphone and it would just sit on the seat and he would just turn it on and he would just talk these days comedians do that as an everyday thing but they weren't doing that back then he was he he was in his little Gemini 
and um, we found a few different tapes and listened to it and he'd be driving through you know an area and he would see something and and just go yeah it might be an idea later down the track or you know whatever that sort of thing so he always had a pen in his hand and he always had paper in his pocket and he would everything would be written down you know you, you hear of musicians and that that have you know, like blackboards all around the yeah. place, you know, or, or even write it. Yeah. They have blackboards everywhere so that they, if they think of something, yeah. they write it down, you know. So he had that. Mm. He's headed over to Melbourne for his to first his ever gig. Stand-up. But before then, he's gone to see The Late Show in Melbourne. The Late Show, that? he did that while he was at school. So what was that experience like, you were oh, saying? I loved it. I loved it. And ben, Ben's the best one to ask about that, you know, because we'd be just going, can't believe we had like, We probably didn't understand. No. No, we didn't. No. We, didn't, we didn't understand the. I guess you know because now you know where he's gone. Yeah. You know that he had like we just thought it was a couple of kids going off. They wanted to watch the late show. You know. Yeah. yeah Not yeah, realizing yeah. that that's for them is like a learning experience. You know. Learning experience, but it was also like you, well, go, you going to see Madonna love or Lady yeah, Gaga. Yeah. You love Lady Gaga. If you were to go and see, that's so that's what it was like for them. He absolutely Madonna. adores Lady yeah, Gaga. Huge fan. Okay. Okay. Pink Lady Gaga Madonna. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. All music. So Richard got his love of music from his father. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. See, as young people, we used to have the music going all the time, didn't yeah. we? Actually, that's what we did. So more than the radio, yeah. though, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was we music. just used to have... No, we, we had our own LPs. Yeah. LPs you know, and then the CDs. The finals, and, you know. What was the first record Richard would listen to? Oh, a substantial record, not like a kid's record. It would all been Gary Glitter and... <laughs> We wouldn't want to go near him at the moment. Yeah, ACDC and... <laughs> ACDC, yeah, and all the... Yeah. Like, Skyhooks uh, and... Skyhooks, we love them. Rolling Stones, Beatles. Yeah, yeah he loved Cook of the House of uh, Wings. Wings, yeah. Beatles, we'd mm. have it all. We actually, mm. because we were... What was his so first we were, CD? We were, yeah, what, what was his first CD? Oh, we, we do know well, this. Well, I reckon he... I reckon it was Nirvana myself. Yeah. Do you reckon it was Nirvana? Because he used to listen to it up... And he had that little unit... That he could, you know, remotely it and it was change over there. Yeah. We put it over there on a. He could remotely board. change the tracks. So when did, and I'm sure others could answer this as well, but you're here now, and, and you would have seen the shirts and stuff. When did the pavement fascination start? Mm-hmm. Well, I never understood that actually. I've got a couple of their records that Richard left behind, you know, with it, and he, with his collection, and I just can't get it. I loved it. <laughs> but he, yeah, he. I think it happened over Melbourne. Do you reckon? Probably. So this isn't coming from you this time. This, no, this, this is him one. breaking away yeah, from yeah. Oh, yeah. the Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loved his own style of music too, along with his T-shirts. I mean, we have got boxes of... He was a T-shirt fan. And, Mum, I need one. I want this T-shirt. I want this T-shirt. This is before Todd Sampson of I've Gruen. He's got... Now, who was that band? This is where I'm, I... We, as I said... We really, right, Richard would what tell band? us his stuff and we would go, oh yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, what band, and what it would not sink. What, I what don't band know are what you band. About? But he went to a concert with, I don't mm. know who with now, but he had the he had a shirt on. Oh, and I don't know what yeah, shirt. Yeah. Ben, ben Latimer would be up the time. Right. He had a shirt on, t shirt. And he was up the front, you know, this. The guy said, love your shirt, man. He said, I'll swap you. <laughs> so Richard gave him his shirt, t shirt, yeah. and he ended up. With the band suit. The band's yeah. suit. And he bought it. I'm like, Mum, look what I've got. I'm like, oh, my God, it stinks. Put it in the wash. <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> and to this day, it's never been washed, and it's somewhere in with his stuff. I will find out for you because um, so I, I feel awful for not So he was seeing a band. Yeah, he went to see a band. For the, and the, the, the and lead shirt. singer like that wanted shirt. his shirt, whatever T-shirt it was. But Richard... Collected every band's T-shirt, every... He just, you know, T-shirts were his signature. Mm. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, oh, massive fan. <laughs> he loved him, didn't he? Were you yeah. on board, Peter? Was that one of yours? Oh, no, I, no, no, that's his. That's his. Yeah. But I understood the parodies and, you know, that sort of thing that, uh, that Weird Al did, you know. And it, I guess he, yeah, get, uh, get me to listen to it and The Twelfth Man and that sort of stuff. He used to love that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. He used to love... Like listening to that sort of stuff, you know, he um, he enjoyed that. Because yeah. the irony is, he ended up doing a radio show and continued to do different radio shows that never would play their music, both Weird Al, <laughs> Pavement, and other bands. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, good good point. Yeah, that's Actually, true. There's a running joke and get this that uh, Dave, and I'll be playing a tune from him this week, of Dave Graney would regularly be on the show as a musician, but they'd never play any of his any songs. It's <laughs> funny about that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. This going to Melbourne experience. Mm. So he's now moving to Melbourne. You know, letting your son go off to How the, the hell is he going to survive? <laughs> well, well Richard, had, Richard had lived home for, you know, so long. He's he was 28, uh, yeah. Living on the granny flat then, wasn't At he? that time, yeah. yeah. Well, his sister kicked him out there because he was kind of taking over that end of the house. He was upstairs and then he moved downstairs and kind of started spreading up the hallway. So, so, so we ended with up managing videos to get him, and that, get him out there. So we moved was, Foxtel out there because he right, needed Foxtel for work and everything. And we moved him into the granny flat. For work. And, and, Foxtel for work. I love yeah. that. Oh, well, he used to get a lot of you well, know, material oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, off there. work. Yeah. Work. yeah. yeah. And, but it was good because he had his own, you know, space and he had his own shower and stuff. He still ate in here. Yeah. You know, it had a kitchen and whatever, but he never made his, you know, it was still, that's just where he slept, you know. And, um, yeah. Him moving to Melbourne was was a bit scary for us, wasn't it? Because he's yeah. just Richard was spent most of his time doing so much for other people and writing and creating and he, had a nice he just so, if so. if the food wasn't put in front of him, he yeah. wouldn't you know Billy's pies and and Farmer's yeah. Union ice coffee was all he lived on, you know. You mentioned about the videos and other things coming down the corridor. So that, that yeah. big collection that we hear a lot of, a lot about that, that was in his Melbourne apartment, that, that was starting here in the family home that he, he was starting to collect. Well, Do you know what he did? He taped over Uh-oh. so many home movies to tape The Simpsons because, I mean, I was forever buying... You love The Simpsons. VC, you know, blank tapes for him. But he ran out. And he would always run out and not tell me, and then if he didn't, so he taped over his um, sister's, some of his sister's 21st, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of special times he's taped, but he swore he never did, but he did. I know he did, just to tape The Simpsons. But he was a great collector of, at the same time. He videotaped everything, everything. Yeah. The Late mm-hmm. Show, um, The Simpsons. Um, oh, yeah, boxes of VCRs oh, and... Um, millions of them. VCRs, Who's the video, other? Video what, video uh, tapes, and, of yeah. course... David Letterman, absolutely adored David Letterman. Let's talk about the David Letterman fascination. What was that about? Did you get to talk to him about that? He just idolised him. He had a picture of him in his wallet, his first wallet. Had, you know, have they have a girlfriend? Or should never had girlfriends until very later in life. Yeah, yeah. He had David Letterman as his, as his, as his uh, idol. He set up just to watch him. He's he? just loved. Yeah. He's just loved the actual format of the show, the writers. And I think what's interesting is that he would, and he would do this with everything that he, with the work that he wrote as well. For Richard, he would listen like to every, you know how they have the writers to, to say the jokes or to write the jokes. He would listen to see what jokes got the most laugh. Mm. And that was very important to him to find out how the audience reacted to something. So I think it was always... Timing and things like that. He was, timing. Because David Letterman was very good at that one. Yeah, he? you know, he, that, that was, you know, that was study for him. That was, that was you know, he, we never thought it was funny. Like, like, like it's a show, but... It was a habit. It was something yeah, yeah. he enjoyed doing. Yeah. But obviously with hindsight, yeah. it clearly was an yeah. education. Yeah. Yeah. A deep education yeah. is that. He would have had dreams of going to New York and seeing Dave. Did he that did. Happen? He did go. They did go. Yeah. They they yeah. went to they the show. They got to see it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they did. They went. They, they got in. Yeah. They got in to see the show. Yeah. And but the first time they went, they didn't. So they were outside looking in. And the second time, they went and they got to see the show and they loved it. And I, you know, kicked myself because I thought I I really should you know um, try and phone. Or get you know this. It, I think emails were invented then. I'm not sure, but it, you know, notify them that these kids have travelled from Australia and they really yeah, want to see the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they're in your audience. You know, just to, because I thought that would be great. But yeah, no, came home with the jacket, the hat, and um, yeah. the batter bing, and the batter bing number plate which he had in the back of his um, <laughs> of his uh, Holden. Yeah, mm. Melbourne happens. Yeah. He starts, as you said, he was quite settled when he arrived there. He, he got a career. Yeah, he started, he went over there to panel for <clears throat> Mick Malloy. Yeah. I think he just started from there meeting different people. He got an agent and he just started 
you know, he did he did some stand up. He then did um, started writing for. I think he then met Tony. Yeah, mm, when he started, he started writing for Rove and all that, or must have been there. Yeah, that would have been two years after he was only there a couple of like he was only in Melbourne for four years. You know, mm, yeah. like he really had only just touched base there. But what he did in those four years. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Wasn't it? Ten years on after Get This started, <clears throat> as of last mm. Sunday, mm. there's quite a legacy that's, mm. that's taken place from that. You see, Richard didn't push himself. Richard never... I think that was his biggest downfall, was that he... did you know, Because he was such a nice person and such a an introvert, you know, like, he, I mean, he would... He would, you know, not not go to any of the premieres of anything, you know, like, we, he'd come, oh, here's tickets to this, go and see this, you know, he would not go, he wouldn't put himself out there, but we all went, mm. you know, which was quite sad, but uh, he, he didn't promote himself, you know, and I always sort of regret, I always think that if I was his manager over there, he would have, you know, got to where he was going, and, and I think that would have made him happy, because I really think, you know, he didn't think he was worthy or worth it. Or... Didn't? That lack of ego, that's he why had I no was ego there. At all. Yeah, yeah. Give him that charm that everyone was so yeah, endeared to, yeah, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he's not egotistical at all. You know, he was just, yeah. You've met some of his fans over the years, mm. and they were fans. Mm. Still are fans. Mm. How's that engagement been? And you may have met some as well, Peter been knowing and, and finding out over the years a bit more about their side, I guess the public persona mm. of your son. Has that helped or hindered over the years? No, it's helped. It's amazing. It's humbling and I think Richard would, he would be the same. You know, yeah, he, he would he, never believe that yeah, people would... He couldn't believe it, you know, like that, get this well, rally. The outpouring of emotion, you know, after his death was uh, just unbelievable, really. I mean, um, you know, we... Yeah, we 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 couldn't really fathom it, you know, as far as like because we I mean we knew he was, you know, beautiful and good and and you know, but and the get this show was you know he loved get this so, he loved you know, it yeah he loved that he loved it. People are going to argue, but there never has been anything in Australia like a radio show yeah. like that. People have tried. Yeah, it's pretty unique. One. As we speak over these coming days and months for the tenth year anniversary, listening back. A day at a time. The catch, the catch uh, words or the you know yeah, catchphrases. Yeah. If you did get a chance to listen to it, I, I assume you you got a cheeky listen in. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we listened yeah. to it while it was uh, on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, in, in so in many. Life, you know. Well, when it, when it actually yeah. did broadcast yeah. in Adelaide, mm. we loved it. The fact that it, it treated Adelaide so lovingly. Yes. Yeah. Radio across Australia from the eastern states doesn't always do that. Yeah. And have Ville Gardens mentioned. Yeah, That's right. When he did the breakfast show with Peter and Miff, he did that. Um, he, he, some great work he did on that show as well. He was able to be really. He, he really shone on that show. But he did that um, send up of Adelaide, or because they were taking the Mickey out of Adelaide at one stage there, and he, was, you know, did that 1950s. Have you heard that? It, it's a, oh, right. it is amazing. It's all about Adelaide, you know, and its attractions. Like and, the, it used the newsreel voice. Yeah, oh, right, it yeah. was a send up of it, and yeah. it was just. It was so flaming funny, you know. And then Richard was, he did, I mean, he would do something just about every day, wouldn't he? At least a few times a week, some special thing, like it was Nicolas Cage. There he did a lot of Love work with that. Loved doing Nicolas Cage. But then he, he was very that. good at that too. Yeah, he was, yeah. And then he did that, the financial year. Yes, yeah. Oh, my God. It was the a accountant's song. You know, the amazing thing about that is that that was the one thing that Richard... Hated doing was his tack, and and if he ever yeah. argued with Peter or Peter ever argued with him, it was always over that. No, it was just a matter it of just, get it in, Richard, give it to me, and I'll go to the accountant. Yeah, and, so he used to send know. everything to Peter, and then Peter would have to nag him to send it to him. And then every time he went over there, it was like, you know, let's sort this out and just keep everything. So Richard was started keeping everything, you know, for him, and so he could oh, just he was, do it. Yeah. So, but that was yeah, <laughs> he hated that. You know, it was like what do you call it? The absent minded person. Professor or whatever you call it, but yeah, the, end so, of the tax year. That yeah, was that one. Yeah. That was that one, and then yeah. the Pete Murray, and he did some amazing work on that breakfast show. He did some amazing work on that. That was the last breakfast show he worked on. Mm. What was happening in two thousand and eight? The start of two thousand eight. 
So he went back um, and he, he, he took the show, didn't he? And he yeah, started. yeah, he went back with it. And he was quite, quite um, excited about that. And um, he really enjoyed it. He loved it, didn't he? Yeah. He really... He seemed to work really... Like, he seemed to get extremely tired or whatever, you know, like he... He was, he, he was working very hard on that show. You know, somebody had mentioned to me that um, being in there, you know, um, as a guest on the show, and they just said that you, you have no idea how hard he works on that show, you know, to make sure that that show is really good. Well, so, he'd always be there really early in the morning if, yeah. he was, if he wanted to do a recording or something like that. Now, in terms so of breakfast radio, couch. we could be talking about 3, 3.30 in the yeah. morning. Well, that's right. He would be there. Yeah, he'd probably leave Nicholas. home every time when I was there. He would leave home about 3.30. He liked to get there. He'd get the paper. Yep. I've done breakfast radio. Yep, yeah, get the paper. Not, not the paper anymore. He'd just turn on the computer, you know, so that he was up to date. with. He was like that here in Adelaide anyway, but, you know, so he was up to date with what was happening in the world and be ready for it. And then he liked to be in and ready and have everything done. Everything done before anybody got in there. So all of Pete's stuff, all of Miff's stuff, all, mm. the, all the stuff, all the... Mm. All the skits. The whole yeah. show, the mm. skits, yeah. Because having worked in radio as a producer myself, I know the most important thing is having the information mm. for when they need it. Mm. And I assume that's what he was doing that's at that right. time in the morning. Yeah. Well, he'd record stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, and then they'd have... Yeah, like, he'd he'd record his uh, Nicholas Cage, yeah. or he'd get... Like when he, when he did that, um, that accountant's one, he had to have someone else in there, I think, to help him with. We're currently in conversation with Mr and Mrs Marsland, Richard, Richard's parents, here in the family home since the uh, early 90s. In 2008, we saw the passing of Richard, but uh, you were mentioning around Christmas there was a few things in 2007, but depression, which has been the diagnosis for his passing, has been reported to have been around before 2008, 2007. Let me ask the question, was it there beforehand and when was the first time you as a family were noticing that Richard was having depression or depressive thoughts? It was when he broke up with a girlfriend... Uh, well, we had no idea that he could be depressed. We, in fact, we just, yeah, we, we he went to to see her, and obviously she didn't uh, respond to him very well. So he just came home and and obviously took some 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 things uh, that made him. Luckily, didn't kill him. Mm. And um, we that found him next, found him next morning, uh, you know, unconscious or was probably still asleep, really rather than unconscious, but um, he'd, you know, he'd taken some, some things and, um, and well, luckily he didn't, um, he didn't pass away from that or anything, so, so we, we then knew that there was something wrong, and that was the first inkling that, we, that I knew of anyway, did you? Yeah, no. I, I, I never knew was it any depression at all. No. It, was, it was just completely brought on by that, mm. um, and it was just like sudden. Well, as far as we were concerned, anyway, it might have developed over a few days or something. But, mm. but that, you know, since he split up with her and he hadn't said anything to us, but um, it was pretty. We knew it was down, but you know, it didn't really. Well, <laughs> people split up with people that, all the that's, time, that's... And, and and I know people do get. That's probably one of the leading causes of people, you know, getting depression. Really, mm. but you know, when when people well, relationships end, end, you know, people um, will also and, say that because particularly of comedians like those of Jim Carrey's ilk, for example, that because they're always happy, cheery, giving and everything else, that there's always this other that is sort of sitting or resting. Did you see that because you're around him during the younger years, teenage years? Yeah, he used to get frustrated and, you know, uh, if something didn't work or, you know, right. if, if, if one of his projects didn't work out or whatever. It used to, you know, anger him, but no, I never... It wasn't a depressive, it was more of a... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. No, I never noticed he was depressed. No, I mean, look, one of his teachers actually committed suicide in grade five. Yes, grade five, but he was nine. Yeah, he was nine. And it was his favourite teacher, and um, <clears throat> and he, he, he committed suicide um, yeah, in a car. So um, so that I always wondered whether that had some bearing on his you know way to solve problems mm-hmm. or not. I, I, you know, it always bothered me that that had happened, and also, you know, then it happened to him. But, but you know, how can you say whether it is or isn't? No one knows. So.
What advice or, or what thoughts do you have for parents who, who have children who may be depressive or in a depressive state? Because yeah. clearly there's not necessarily signs that you can look no, out for, are there? that's right. Sometimes there aren't signs. I think, and if there are signs, like when, you know, the second time that happened, we did try to, you know, we tried, Ben tried, we all tried to be around Richard and to support him and, and help him through, you know, because he sort of started to get a bit upset sort of after, from the October onwards, 2008. And... Um, yeah, you seemed really good the whole year. Really. Oh, yeah, it was fabulous. But then when the you know, format of the show was going to change, there's different things he wasn't yeah. happy with. And I think, again, relationship problems. So for, for parents, you have to try and be there, you know, um, and then those signs are not always easy to see. Mm. But I think, you know, if you can just... You can't constantly watch them, as Peter's told me on many occasions. Honey, you you could have just been there because I did go over. The moment you go to the shops, that could be when it happened. You just don't know. For you, it was about going to open in Melbourne, being here based in Adelaide. Is that the case? In terms, well, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. So you know, because we, we, we did we did both. We went over. Yeah, yeah, I went over for for a couple of times, you know a week, yeah. and then Peter came over, and then <clears> went back again, and and Ben went every weekend and, and stuff, and. But you know, but I didn't realise, and I mean, I asked him. I did ask him, and I expected that he didn't lie hmm. to me. But he did lie to me when I said to him, "You're not thinking hmm. what you were thinking before, and you're not thinking of, of doing what you've tried to do before." And no, Mum, no, 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 he tapped my hand. And he I reckon he had it in his head. But there he for had a while. it in his head, and he's just lied to me. He said, "No, no, Mum, I'd never do that." That's what hurts, doesn't I've it? I've got a letter to say that he would never do it again. You know, mm. and it does hurt. It does. It, it really hurts. But um, I don't, and I really didn't think that he would. I really thought that he was over that. Mm. To be honest, John. I had this preconceived stupid idea that once they turn 30, they're fine. Mm. I don't know what rock. Well, there's that statistical thing. You know, it's just... Past 27, on the way to 30, 30... Yeah, I thought this is, you know, I mean, when he turned 30, I just went, thank God for that, you know, like... Got him over that. We're we're over that, Mm. you know, we're over that. Now, let's keep moving forward and you know I mean and Richard that year was he was you know he said to me I'm ready to settle down now mum and have children and I'm like yes this is great you know this is fantastic this is, you know but at the same time you're saying there was some relationship issues yeah, at the same time so that would have yeah. been grinding with any yeah. wanting oh, to yeah. Yeah. somewhere on the line one message mm-hmm. that I would say to Absolutely everybody, and I mentioned this to Amanda Blair, and she wrote, she she headed it in an article. She wrote, "We need to make sure that our young people, or anybody, they need to know that we will not be better off without them, and they need to know that the world will not be better off without them." It is simply not the answer. There's there's help. There's always help. But, you know, Richard should have that night, instead of asking me what I was doing the next day, he should have said, Mum, get on that plane hmm. and I'll meet you at the airport. And, you know, that's, that's what he should have said and that's what people need to say. They need to say, Mum, Dad, sister, brother, friend, priest, whatever, mm-hmm. help now help I need me. that help. Yeah, because the world will not be a better place. Without <clears throat> oh, he deliberately lied to us. I mean, I said to him, you coming home for Christmas, Richard? And he said, oh, I don't know, Dad, I might go away for a while, you know. I said, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm not sure yet, you know, I'm not sure. And then we, I think he, him and uh, Ben were thinking about arranging something to go somewhere, mm-hmm. London or something. And um, I thought, oh, right, okay, fair yeah, enough. I, I, I thought it was legitimate. Yeah. Um, but of course, not knowing that you know that his real plan was to go away permanently, 
Um, and I said, why don't you just jump in your car then, mate? You know, come on over and uh, just, mm-hmm. like, jump in the car tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, when he said he wasn't coming home for Christmas then. Oh, no, we should have. He, he told Peter that, he didn't tell we should me have, that. We should have thought, uh, you know, like, we should have been more intuitive, I guess, and, and realised that that's what he was planning to do. But, but what I'm hearing yeah. is that, you know, you should have this, you should have that, but we're all our individuals oh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's important yeah. to remember, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, you, you just... Well, I think it's really that you don't actually believe it's ever... Like, you don't really believe he's going to really do it. So I, I didn't mean, believe it was going to... That's, that's what the thing is, you know, because when... I mean, when we got the news, um, well... I mean, I, I just basically jumped up and down and screamed and yelled and, you know, and Alison just about collapsed and, um, you know, and like, I mean, you know, you become a, you know, just, you just, you just lose your whole control of, 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 of your senses, really, um, because you don't actually believe it. Like, if, you, even if, if you thought they might be a bit depressed, you just don't actually believe he's going to do that. Which I suppose you probably should, but you don't really, because otherwise you'd always be believing. Would never have well, you wouldn't. You'd never leave their side, would you? Yeah. So, and that can't, that's impossible because mm. they pick the time and place, and that's the whole problem with it all, is that you can't be there twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, you know, and forever. And I guess, you know, you know, if you think well, you could get him through, you know, twenty four hours, it might change his idea. But I guess you've got to get. Um, personal you know in that situation over that hill over that hump where they they they've got that problem until that problem goes away they're they're still going to feel that way you know Mm. um you know like you know i mean if you got him through a week it's still not going to change the situation if he's depressed about something unless that something changes he's still going to be depressed about it Mm. so you've got to change the situation that's what i see anyway yeah or or keep them under control until a person in that situation. I mean, keep them under control right. until can, they actually because they will get past get it. That, get you see, they'll si- get past situation. that feeling. Mm. Mm. And you base that on the fact that you had seen this before, so as well. only, only once, once before, yeah, only once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, we we realised that he got through that, <clears throat> and he got back into life again, and yeah. he was happy, and he, he was, was happy, happy for years. Yeah. Really, what for? How many? Well, yeah. 15, 10, well, 15 uh, years, whatever. 10, no, just 10 nine years, years, 10 years. Yeah. But, you know, that's a long time. I mean, that's mm. it, it, it is possible to to pull someone through that. But it's just that I think um, you, you, it was awkward too, you know, him being in Melbourne and mm. we got businesses and all that. You know, you just can't walk off. Family here as well. And, you know, so that's not that we thought we needed to be there all the time, but... Mm. What do you want Richard's legacy to be now that he's passed for a few years now? There's the personal legacy for which the family will hold very dear and close, and I've seen that and appreciate that. But what can the public do to remember him? How how do you want the public to remember him? Because he's remembered fondly. Yeah, I I, I love that um, that he has so many fans and that they keep his memory alive. I really love that. And I appreciate that so much. It means more to me than anything. Like on the anniversary of his death or his birthday, the messages I get, it's just, I can't work that day because, you know, the phone's going all the time. And I really do appreciate it. Just, it warms me. I think it's the fans themselves that, that they've all got a different way to remember him. You know, some people remember him as the, 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 the apologetic person at work. Others remember him as a creative writer. Others will remember him as a, uh, you know, like on Adelaide Today, whether they'll remember him as a, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a great witty TV guy. Yeah. If you, you know, on Get This, it'll be... The Get This people, they, they have their own Facebook page, their own, you know, but whereas the, the breakfast show doesn't and the mm-hmm. Adelaide shows don't. And so if you're not part of Get This, and if you were, like, a, there was one fan... Um, who sent a letter from the breakfast show. She used to be a regular <coughs> caller and she didn't call up for a few days. And then when she did call up, Richard's like, oh, I think her name was Maria or something. And, oh, are you okay? You know, we haven't heard from you. And she was just so touched by that, you know, that he wouldn't. She said, No, I haven't been well. And so and he was like, oh, I hope you're okay now. And I was really glad that you're back. So there's people like that 
mm. that don't have that opportunity to express, like, the get this in through. So, you know, um, so I guess for them it's it's sad, really. But, you know, so because I, I sort of think that people like that who held him in such high esteem would love that opportunity to be able to, to do that. For As a legacy, I think if... If people can remember how he was and be like that, you know, be the same, be the same type of person. Mm. Genuinely decent. Be genuinely decent, loving. Helpful. Helpful, yeah. They seem to be a few these days. Yeah, well, yeah. Who else wanted to come? most people said about him is that he was yeah. you know, always helpful to them. He, he, you know, he's helped quite a few I think people. That's right. uh, given them like ideas when they were just starting off. When they were just first in radio yeah. or first got ideas, a job or something, he he would take them under his yeah. wing and really and, and I think we had so many letters from people who he'd been so kind to. I don't think he appreciated his worth. So I think I would really like for people to appreciate <clears> who they are. And they don't all have to be famous and they don't all have to be, no, you know, successful. Not. They just have to be loving and kind and I think that would be a really nice legacy because he didn't, he didn't. And I think the last person spoke to him before he spoke to me on the phone but spoke to him face to face was the day that he died or the day that he decided to take his life. He gave her a lift home from the Christmas party because she'd had a couple of drinks mm. and I don't know her name. I can't remember That's her fine. name. And she said to him when he let her off, she said, Richard, you're such an awesome person, you know. You are, you are amazing and you're so talented. And he said, really? Am I really? And she said, oh, my God, you are so amazing. And he's never... Realised it, and I think if we can just if if young people can just realise just how amazing that they are, they all have to, they are all amazing in their own way, mm. and they just have to appreciate themselves and be themselves and be loving and and kind, always kind and generous of heart. If there's nothing else to add, Mr. and Mrs. Marsden, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking us about Richard. Austin and Peter Marsland. If you need to contact someone regarding your feelings, Lifeline has a 24-7 counselling service on 13 11 14. That number is 13 11 14. And resources available at beyondblue.org.au or at theblackdoginstitute.org.au.